I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good afternoon and welcome to another bumper edition of the Scottish Sun Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Andy Devlin and joining me is my colleague David Friel. On what, David, is another incredible day in Scottish football. Obviously, Ronnie Dyla has been announced that he will leave Celtic at the end of the season. Probably no surprise, David, on not just on the back of Sunday, but on the course of two years of European disasters and, indeed, cup capitulations. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, we've spoken Monday about Ronnie Dyla's situation and, and where the Rangers defeat left him. His position for me was untenable at that point, I, I think... Was like a large, probably I wouldn't say a majority of Celtic fans, but quite a large portion of Celtic fans felt he should have been dismissed on Monday. I think Celtic feel he has earned the right to, to take the club over the line and win a second title, but I think it was clear in, in Sunday night, if not even before that, that there had to be a change. So I think Celtic have done the right thing in coming out and, and giving some clarity mm-hmm. on the situation. Ronnie's going to leave at the end of the season. He goes with the club's best wishes. I'm sure he'll go with the fans' best wishes. It just hasn't worked out. And for me, it's a decision. Three cracks at the Champions League mm. this season. Finished bottom of the Europa League with no wins. Is it as easy to say that's where it went wrong for Ronnie? I think Europe's been a huge, a huge factor in the fact that it's not worked out. I think, I think if you if you go back to the first summer, so summer two thousand and fourteen, mm. for Celtic to get a second crack at the Champions League after the Liga loss of an eligible player, tobacco. I, th- I think it was a, a stroke of luck that. Ronnie should really have been able to see out with that team. You know, I won each draw in Maribor's fine. Maribor are an okay team, but you think you would fancy Celtic to finish a job. And, and for me, that was, even though it was only two months into the reign, his reign, I think it was almost a sliding doors moment. You know, if Celtic had beaten Maribor that night, I think Ronnie Dyla could have been the Celtic manager for, for a long time to come. The club would have more money straight away, would have, uh, have had the reputation of getting a team in the Champions League. They failed, and, and they failed quite miserably that night. You think back to that night, and, and I looked at Ronnie at the side of the pitch, and he just looked like a kind of rabbit caught in the headlights at that stage. Didn't really know what to do with the team. Celtic lost 1-0 at home, and... The Europa League group was okay that year, and you probably did see a bit of progress towards the second half of last season, but it was a bit of progress and it never really kept going. What I was going to ask you, you fast forward 12 months to the next qualifying campaign for the Champions League, and obviously Malmo, now you've got some strong views in that. I mean, you believe that should have been the cut-off point yeah, for Ronnie? I mean, I think, I mean, there's been a lot, there's been a lot of said this week, and a lot of Celtic fans are turning the heat on Dermot Des and Peter Lawwell, the board for not backing Ronnie Dyla and, and for all and, and not doing this and not doing that. I, I don't I don't buy that. I generally don't. I think where the board have failed is not acting sooner. You know, I think after Malmo I think the warning signs were there before it. I think the Malmo game to be three one up, Celtic losing that late goal, to then lose two 0 and suck and okay people talk about near beating with a, a goal chalked off that was wrong with for offside. But Malmo deservedly won that night. Deservedly won from probably the second half onwards at Celtic Park and 
for me, that was a moment where I think Celtic should probably cut Ronnie Dyla loose. And it's um, difficult to argue that it hasn't been backed. 25 players well, he's well, been able to see, bring to the club. See, this is another, it's a kind of bugbear. I mean, you know, who signs the players and everything. I, I think every modern football club has different ways of recruiting players. Players are put to them by agents, players are put to them by scouts, players are recommended. But the manager has the final say. Now, I don't know if Ronnie Dyla is encouraged or but we think this player is better but I know for a fact that the, the vast vast majority of the major signings I'm talking about guys that he viewed as first team signings Ronnie Dyle had the final say on them now a lot of them haven't worked out but if we talk about that last pre-season Celtic shunned the, kind of, the European tour or the American tour the Australian tour it was all tailored to Ronnie's needs they gave him everything he needed there was new backroom staff come in there was people behind the scenes his thought field therapist Meta was there in Malmo that night all these different things that Ronnie had asked for, Ronnie got. So to say the club didn't back him, mm-hmm. to me, is just wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just not factually correct. And I think the way Celtic went out that playoff, having done well against Carabag, I'll mm-hmm. give him his credit, they did well against Carabag to get there. I just thought, to me, that was the time probably cutting loose. But what they did do was give him a Europa League campaign and to be honest, I just made yeah. it worse. I mean, it'd be it'd remiss to sit here and not say that, you know, he's a thoroughly decent man, you know, he's an honest man. But, but being honest and being nice doesn't well, win you football matches. Yeah. It's one of the most damning indictments on his reign. Chris Sutton, we spoke to today, obviously Celtic Park legend. He felt that throughout his tenure, throughout his reign, Ronnie Dyla was unable to change a game. When, it, when things were going against him and his team, mm-hmm. he was unable to change it. And you, and you think back to Sunday there. Is that you know is that something that can be levelled against him? Yeah, 100%. I mean, see, just to touch on that, Andy, you're talking about Ronnie being a nice guy. I, I, that it's also kind of annoyed me in the last couple of days where you see people, especially on social media, saying, oh, he was never given a chance with the newspapers. I mean, the newspapers always had that in from Absolute nonsense. The first piece I ever, ever wrote about Ronnie Dyla, I'd never really heard of Ronnie Dyla, when we got the phone call that moment to say, by the way, this guy's going to be the next Celtic manager, was branding my cross between Jurgen Klopp and Martin O'Neill. Mm-hmm. You know, so, as somebody said to me the other day, it's been a hatchet job from day one. Well, it's been some hatchet job if you're comparing them to Martin O'Neill and Jurgen Klopp in, his, mm-hmm. in the first interview. I don't know a journalist, I don't know anybody in broadcast media, newspapers, who doesn't like Ronnie Dyla. Mm-hmm. You can't fail to like Ronnie Dyla. He's a nice guy, he's good to deal with, he's a sense of humour. But ultimately, he's just not been good enough at the job. It's it's nothing to do with his nationality, it's just to do with his ability. And to say that, that we've all had it in for him is just nonsense. In terms of him, sorry, going to your second point about changing the game, I think that's been a huge failing. I think there's been games where it's been crying out for Celtic just to switch formation or add a player or bring a sub on, and he doesn't seem to be able to see it. And, and for me, talking about a Maribor game right at the start, that was where the warning signs were there for me. He didn't know what to do. For a so-called progressive coach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you can come in with all the, the talk about I'm a progressive coach, I'm going to play expansive football, my team is going to do this and that, but after if you talk the talk, you need to walk the walk. You need to do it. You need to do it. And, and that night, Chris Commons didn't start that night. So if, he, he, if Roy didn't think Chris Commons was the right man, but then he brings him on at half-time and suddenly the team's just disjointed again, Maribor, growing confidence, mm-hmm. and he scored a goal. I think ultimately, in, in that sense, mm-hmm. in, in, in basic managing, basic coaching, Ronnie, and I don't know whether he's just going through a bad spell and it's just not happened for him, but he's not been up to the job. How much of the blame has to be laid at the door of the board and all of this as well? In what sense? Well, in the mean? sense that, you know, they've brought Ronnie in and, you know, when, when he was brought in, he was hailed as this, you know, up-and-coming yeah. coach. I mean, it was it was a gamble and, you, you know, it's, it's easy to criticise that it hasn't, it hasn't come off for them. But they could have acted a lot sooner, and I think yeah. we both agreed on that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where the blame has. I mean, I, I, you know, I remember at the time when 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 he was first 
the name was mentioned and we realised it was definitely going to happen and speaking to people saying why because mm. you know who, who was the guy you know we didn't know we're all looking into him and it, it, it was basically explained to me well Celtic are doing it with players they're doing it with Victor Wayne Yammer they're doing it with Virgil van Dijk why don't the club why doesn't the club go and get a up and coming manager this guy's got something special this guy's really highly rated in Europe he's rude as an ex-Jurgen Klopp he's got this and that he's going to change this he's got, so it made sense in paper mm. it did make sense and see you listen to Ronnie Dyler I met somebody at Hamden the other day who, who's involved in youth coaching who said that Ronnie Dyler talking to them doing a presentation was the best he's ever heard he says I've never heard anybody speak about the game with such passion mm. and such drive and such knowledge mm. as Ronnie Dyler putting it into practice but the problem has been yeah. putting it into practice yeah. and, and this is the thing you know I could come out to you and say I'm an expansive progressive journalist mm-hmm. but you watch me in action and you probably mm-hmm. think I'm not but, mm-hmm. but I'm joking there but you know you, you can turn up and say I'm going to do this I'm going to do that you then need to do it mm-hmm. and, and it's all very well for, for Ronnie Dyer to be viewed as this kind of hipster's choice mm-hmm. the guy who is going to revolutionise Celtic and going to you know, put all these brilliant ideas in, but see if you don't actually put it in practice, and you can't have any complaints if you lose your job. Do you ever get the feeling Ronnie ever knew at any stage throughout his time at Celtic Park that he knew what his best team was? I think in towards the second half of last season, he did. He had Scott Brown near Beaton. I think Van Dyke, Denier, Lustig. I think this is a Geary, Craig Gordon. He had a, a blend shirt. Mm-hmm. Armstrong came in, did really well yeah. towards the end of last season as well, and, and he had. Um, Gary McKay Steen was playing in Griffiths and, and uh, there was a better balance mm. I think where he's, he's found it difficult is bringing new players in and really bedding them into the team and, and making a big difference you, you know? just look at that midfield area where I mean, there's nine players effectively yeah. contesting yeah. for one well, position I mean, yeah, exactly and, and, you, and, and what I'll also say about that is the front six of the front six that started four of them are players he inherited mm. so when you look at the amount of attacking midfielders and strikers that Ronnie's mm. bought and it's into double figures mm. for Four out of those six players to be Griffiths, Johansson, Beaton, Brown were players he inherited from Neil Lennon. I think that says a lot about his ability to get these guys into a team. And, and listen, we spoke about it with Roger on the podcast. Rangers looked like a team that knew each other's roles, that there were partnerships all over the place, combinations. Celtic didn't. And I'll say it again Celtic played like a collection of individuals. That falls in the manager. The manager has to be able to gel a team together. He's chopped and changed. I think somebody said Celtic played some like forty-six different lineups this season. You know, very rarely keep the same team. And again, that has to follow the manager. Keep bang up to date with Scottish football by following Sun Sport on Twitter. Well, I mean, there's one journey ends, another inevitably begins, David. And already we're we're off and running in the, in the runners and riders for for the next Celtic mm-hmm. manager. Whole host of names being mentioned: David Moyes. Um, Brendan Rodgers, Roy Keane obviously and a potential return for Neil Lennon who today has indicated he would be yeah. willing to, to, to make that return to Celtic Park. What are your thoughts? I mean, first of all, who do you think is ideally suited for the job? I, I think there's a few ideally suited. I, I do think Celtic are quite open-minded right now. From what I can gather from speaking to people today, Celtic are quite open-minded and they're going to, don't mean to take their time because they don't have that much time, but they're going to have a look about and, and they're open to people coming to them as well. So I think of the people that have been mentioned, you know, that the front, the first four favourites are what we're talking: mm-hmm. Moyes, Keane, Larson, Lennon. Mm-hmm. I think I think one of them is probably a good chance one of them will get the job. Davy Moyes, I think would do a good job. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We'll sell of the budget to match his expectations and maybe options he has in England, I'm not so sure. Uh, Could there be a conflict as well with you know the, the, the club signing force? Even you know, kind of touched on it there with Ronnie Dyla. You know he would obviously. I suppose any manager coming in would want complete and utter control yeah, over who's I, coming in and who's going out the door. Would that represent a problem for somebody like David Moyes? I think the bigger problem or the biggest problem, because as I said, you know, I, I, I don't buy the theory that all these players are foisted upon a Celtic manager. I just don't buy it. But I, I think the bigger option, bigger problem would be that. I don't think David Moyes would come to a club where you're shopping in the £1.5 million market, which Celtic are. And, and listen, people can say Celtic need to spend more money, okay, but where are they going to get money from? You know, Celtic live within their means, Celtic have got a sustainable business plan. That's life, that's Scottish football 2016. I think the biggest problem is that David Moyes might say, I want my wage bill a bit higher and I want a transfer budget, and I don't know if Celtic can afford that. Mm. So that might be a stumbling block for him. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, what, I mean that was the, one of the, the main reasons that Neil Lennon cited for leaving you mm-hmm. know, two or three years ago. That you know he just he didn't have the budget. He couldn't take Celtic to the next yeah. level because the funds aren't there. Well, the funds aren't there. No, now. So you know, is, is Lenny Neil Lennon talking because he's out of a job, just desperate to get back in? I mean, what, you know, other than the, the see, long-standing attraction. See, uh, what, 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 what is it? But I, I think I think Neil Lennon in 2014 when he left and he parted company with Celtic, I think he was getting a cheap feet. I do. I think he he was looking about. He was doing well. There was no Rangers in the league. There was no real, you know, we all due respect to Aberdeen who did push Celtic slightly. There was no real domestic challenge. I think I don't know if board's the right word, but I think he'd grown. He was starting to look and think, what would I need to do to get a job in England here? Because he'd done everything he could in the Champions League. He was seeing guys being sold left, right, and centre. That's fair enough. I think he's gone. I think he's going to Bolton, and you know. It was a, an absolute basket case at a club. It's not a word for him. And I think he's probably donned it's probably donned in him that the grass isn't always greener. Yeah. And I think Neil for me ticks all the boxes. I, I think if you're if you're looking at I think by all means go and ask a question to David Moyes, see what his thoughts are, see what his expectations are. But if you're asking me about Roy Keane or Henrik Larson, I think Neil well, Lennon's I'm, as good a candidate yeah, as anyone. I mean I was going to ask you about Henry Larson, obviously he would tick you know the, the, the fans popularity box and it would certainly help shift season tickets mm-hmm. ahead of next year there's no doubt about that but he, he hasn't really set the head on the no. fan in terms of management he's under pressure at his club in Sweden just now well, I mean he could be a potential disaster well, see this is the thing that, that really puzzles me about the whole Henrik Larsson thing he would shift season tickets mm-hmm. people would buy because they think Henrik Larsson's back at mm-hmm. Celtic but do you buy a season ticket to go and stand and stare at the guy in the dugout mm-hmm. or do you want to buy a season ticket to see a product on the pitch and see a manager who actually knows what he's doing I don't know if Henrik Larsson's mm-hmm. a good manager or not Time will tell, maybe he will be. I mean, there's a lot of talk in Sweden that he'll become a national team manager. 
but judging by what he's done Cobbler. in Helsingborg, yeah. I don't know if he's that good at all. Yeah. So, see if any Larson was setting the Swedish league in fire and doing this and doing that, by all means, of course it would, because he, he would have everything. But I just don't see it. Roy Keane. Box office, I was going to ask you, Roy Keane, I mean, undoubtedly box office, but again, you know, credentials calling into question. Roy Keane, there's a lot of people who say, look what he did at Ipswich and how he ended at Sunderland, but also get Sunderland up. A great player, a world class player for me. Great international experience. He's now done very well as Martin O'Neill's assistant as well. He had that pedigree. He rebuilt a Sunderland team. I think it was third bottom when he, when he took over. Got him promoted within ten months. Ipswich. Speak to different people and say he never really had a chance. Is Roy Keane again any better than Neil Lennon? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I I do think that this is a different type of managerial hunt for Celtic because they have a ready-made manager sitting there. Neil Lennon is ready, willing, and able to take over as Celtic manager. He knows the club, he knows the players, he's got, he's got a Champions League pedigree, he's gone th- through those qualifiers twice. He ticks all the boxes. I understand why Celtic will probably want to look about to see what's there, but it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere down the line they just come back full circle and say, Neil, yeah, the job's yours. If you were to pick somebody from, you know, we've obviously gone through the, the, the usual names and, and candidates, if you were to pick somebody from left field, somebody you think might have an outside chance I know you've been looking at the manager in charge again I mean is he somebody I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name I'll yeah, leave that no, to you no, no I, I won't either just tell everybody just google again I, th- I think Celtic will be slightly reluctant to go down the form route again I, just because of what's happened with Ronnie Dyla I don't think they'll completely close it off and I would say they get manager who's done very well and I would also say that even Jovanovic who was Apoel, Apoel. Apoel. Like yeah, he, he yeah. took them to the, the last oh, eight of the Champions League right. I think it was against Real Madrid 2012 2012 yeah. he did you know, he's another one who mm. is a kind of experienced campaigner a wily guy who has got a great background mm. and I think crucially with those two they've both got Champions League backgrounds so I think I think for Celtic this time they need to appoint someone with a European background and that's why I think Neil Lennon has as good a chance yeah. as anybody Peter Lawwell has, has said today in his statement that you know Celtic will take their time over this um, they won't be rushed into a decision bottom line though the clock is ticking in terms of pre-season training and obviously those crucial Champions League qualifiers when do you expect an announcement to be made in this David? I think an announcement will probably be made before the end of May. I don't think Celtic will make an announcement before Ronnie Dyla departs. I don't think they will make any snap decisions until, or even really, really step up the hunt until the league title is secured, which could obviously be a couple of weeks away. But I don't think they'll let it drift because you get players going to the Euros, you get pre-season training starting, I think, the 18th of June. I'd imagine the new manager will want to take the players away for a week to 10 days to get themselves, get to get to know them, to work them, to, to get them fitter. So I'd, I'd, I think time is of the essence, but Listen, what time? You know, we're talking in Wednesday afternoon here. That the announcement was made what, about eleven o'clock this morning, and you can bet your bottom dollar that Celtic will already be inundated with applicants and already have people agents on the phone saying, "My client's interested." There'll be guys in a job mm-hmm. just now who will be jostling for position for this. I think they'll, they'll have an abundance of of applicants, abundance of contenders, but they need to get it right. You can watch the goals from all the big SPFL games on the website at thescottysun.co.uk slash sport. Celtic obviously not in action until Sunday at home to Ross County. The announcement today, will it change the dynamic of the supporters, their mindset going into it? Because there was enormous pressure building on, not just Ronnie obviously, but on the, on the Celtic board, Peter Lawwell, Ian Bankier. It, suffice to say, it probably won't be a full house at Celtic Park on Sunday. 
but it will take some of the tension and probably relieve the pressure that's been building on the players as well. I think it'll make a huge difference. I think Ronnie Dyle will be relieved, relieved to know. Deep down, Ronnie Dyle must have known on Sunday night that he was finished. He must have known. Peter Lowell knew that he was finished. Emma Desmond, mm. the players would have known. So, uh, you know, as I said to somebody the other day, what is the point of letting it fester? What is the point of every week, every time Ronnie Dyle has to speak? You have to ask a question. We're duty bound to say, Ronnie, what's happening? Do you know what's happening? Do you know what's happening? It's certainly open, it's certainly clear. I think the fans, judging by the reaction, are, are all pretty much saying, you know what, it's not worked out, but let's move on, wish Ronnie all the best, get a few wins you need, get him his day with the trophy, and then they say cheerio. And so I think it will actually help. I think I think the, kind of, a lot of the kind of bad feeling that was was, was still kind of visible or, or, or evident after Sunday's defeat to Rangers will almost, I don't mean disappear, but I think I think there'll be a more yeah, the sympathetic... There, yeah, the, I think the, there will be a more... The anger uh, might be noise Yeah, I don't think so. In that regard, I mean, Celtic obviously have to to get a reaction the players need to react from, from last Sunday at home to Ross County you would expect them David to, to, to take another stride towards the, the championship title yeah and, and I think you'd like to think as well that the players today are also saying right Let's you know. Let's get this job done. You know, I, I would imagine that's what they'll be saying. If they, you know, because they, they're, they're not involved. Well, of course, and, and that's what I'm that's, saying. Yeah. You know, so so those guys. You know, you, you I'd imagine your Charlie McGrew, Scott Browns, Lee Griffiths, Craig Gordons will all be saying to their teammates, "Listen, we let ourselves down on, on Sunday mm. big style here. You need to fix this. We need to go upon a performance and put a win." But Aberdeen can put on a bit. I was just going to say, yeah, you know? some 48 hours before Celtic are in action, Aberdeen away to St Johnson on Friday night live on the television. And as you say, what an opportunity to crank it up again. Yeah, because, I mean, Aberdeen, Derek McInnes must be in his players and saying, listen, Celtic are in turmoil, the manager's about to go, if they had a bad result, it's time to crank up some pressure. And if it goes to five with four games left, mm-hmm. you never know. I, I mean, I think it's, I think Celtic will win the league. I think I think that gap is too big for Aberdeen. I think Aberdeen will struggle to win every single game. But well, Aberdeen... It is a last chance almost for Aberdeen yeah, to put some well, pressure come, on. come the end of the season, will Aberdeen look back on this campaign and, you know, they'll, they'll have plenty of plaudits and rightly so, but in terms of letting it slip and letting an opportunity like this go, when you look at the state of Celtic just now, as a real missed opportunity because you think well Rangers will be back next year they'll strengthen again in the summer they might not get as good an opportunity to contest a, ch- a championship again yeah I think I think it's been a huge missed opportunity and you know I, I, I think cons- in, in terms of their consistency for parts of the season I think it's been phenomenal you know I think they've beaten Celtic twice they've gone on long runs but there's been certain points of the season I think they, they had a mad October where they lost three or four games or four or five games and then recent weeks to lose to Hearts, to lose to Motherwell, it was really, really damaging. I think Aberdeen will look back in this season with real mixed emotions. You know, there's been progress in the sense that they've beaten Celtic twice, but you need to take these chances. You look at Leicester, you look at Spurs down south, see when other teams are faulting, you need to take advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think in years to come, Aberdeen will look back in this season as one of regret. And will they get a victory at Perth on Friday night? I think it'll be tough. I think St Johnson, I mean, obviously, the fact Rangers beat Celtic, St Johnson can't qualify for Europe anymore, so I think the pressure's off St Johnson. Aberdeen don't always have the best of times against St Johnson as well, so I don't think it will be an easy game. I, c- I could see a draw, actually. Moving on to Saturday, you mentioned European football, another team who can't qualify for the Europa League, courtesy of Rangers' victory on Sunday, is, is of course Motherwell. Hearts are already qualified for the Europa League. Motherwell, however, David, must be sitting there still pinching themselves that they're, you know, they're playing top six football. Well, imagine you'd said that sentence about six or seven months ago, Motherwell can't qualify for Europe. You know, it was, I mean, I think Mark McGee, I mean, he's one that we've not mentioned for the Celtic job, but I think Mark McGee has done a phenomenal job at Motherwell. You know, I, I know he's not always... I don't, I don't even think the Motherwell fans particularly... They, I don't think unanimously like him. I don't mean like him, but I, I think there's some of them are still a bit wary towards Matt McGee. I think Matt McGee's done a terrific job. I honestly do. I mean, people talk about managers of the year and stuff like that, but he's, he's, he won't get those awards, but 
what a job he's done and he's going back to basics I like Matt McGee I just think he, he's, he always got a good the, chart from him you know, he's, you know he's got a bit of gallus and a, you know a bit of confidence about him but I think it's good the, the old stages at Motherwell have really stepped up to the plate latterly you know think of Stephen McManus and Keith Lasley but Stephen Pearson and Scott McDonald that spine of the mm-hmm. team uh, for you has that been where Motherwell have been able to turn it around yeah because they're good players you know a lot, all these guys have played with our country they're all experienced guys they've all you know, and what they've done is they've also helped the younger players. And Motherwell, in their front three, I mean, I think Stephen McManus has been outstanding this season, but in the front three of Malt, McDonald and Johnson, I think they've got three potential match winners, you know, they're a good blend there, a good mix of experience, youth, goals, pace. And, you know, I think Motherwell will go from strength to strength. You'd like to think, I'm sure Mark McGee thinks he probably deserves a bit of backing. I know it will be wheeling and dealing, but if he can bring in a couple of players, Motherwell should be top six again next season. Another game on Saturday in the top flight, uh, Dundee travelling to Fair Hill, David. Dundee obviously this kind of slump of late and they, they missed out in the top six and for Paul Hartley, desperately disappointing given the start Dundee made and at times throughout the course of the campaign, any time I've seen them, I've played some really good football. On their day, they're arguably top two or three teams in the league. You know, they, they play brilliant football, they've got real energy, creative, Greg Stewart's a great player, Kane Hemmings, Gary Harkins, all these guys are all good players, Paul McGowan, but it's just inconsistency's killed them, you know, they picked up so many draws as well, there's been times when they can't, you know, turn those draws into defeats, and that's made all the difference, and listen, I think they finished, I think they're seventh just mm-hmm. now, I think they finished seventh, that probably sums up where Dundee are at, you know, they could easily have finished in the top six, they just missed out, and it probably sums up their season, they've just, just, up shots at times. Thistle as well, I mean Thistle have had a good season by all accounts when Alan Archibald, it really impresses me, you know, one of the great young mm-hmm. up and coming Scottish managers certainly in the top flight, uh, how have you assessed there? Yeah, I mean I mean, Alan Archibald's probably a guy that doesn't really get the plaudits he deserves because he's not the most, there's a lot, quote, a lot of publicity, you don't really see him appearing as a pundit, he's never on the radio or anything like that, he just goes on about his job but you know, what game was it we were at? A couple of weeks ago, and it was, it was actually Thistle beating United. We asked Chris Doolan about it, he scored a winner, about the fact that nobody really talks about mm-hmm. Patrick Thistle. And he said, he said, Listen, it's true. He said, We don't get as much credit. He said, We quite like it because we fly under the radar, but not everybody gives credit to Ross County and Inverness and Dundee. Mm-hmm. He says, we, we have as good seasons as them. So, uh, you know, I think I think Alan Arsbold's done a terrific job. And on to Sunday in the top flight, two two games, including obviously Celtic Ross Craney, Dundee United Hamilton, Inverness against Kilmarnock, and you have to say, David, Dundee United at home to Hamilton in terms of their own SPFL survival, last chance to win. Yeah, it's last chance. They have to win the game. They have to win the game and hope that Kilmarnock <coughs> don't win their game. Time is running out. I think I think it's a club that's almost preparing itself to go to the championship. I think there'll be big changes there in terms of the playing staff next year. I don't know how many players will survive if they do go down. So will Mixer stay on for you if, if, if United are relegated? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, he's got a contract, isn't he? So I think Stephen Thompson's in record and say they will. But I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it's the season. You know, we spoke about the difference Mark McGee's made and the job Mark McGee's done. That shows you what maybe United could have tried. Obviously, they tried to achieve it, but what they could have, what they could have done, what was there for them. But it's just been. I just think it's been running away from them. They've picked up a few wins here and there, but it's just never really caught fire. You, you looked at their performance against Hibs last weekend in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Hibs, obviously, a championship side. United, one-on-one with the goalkeeper on three separate occasions. I think Conrad Logan had another fantastic save to deny John Rankin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's too simplistic to say it's they haven't been able to put the ball in the back of the I just look at their defensive deficiencies at the end of the park and say there's major, major problems there. Oh, there, there are, I mean, undoubtedly, and you know, you saw you saw the Gavin Gunning incident, and it's, it's chopped and changed, and it has unraveled, but 
in terms of scoring, any time I've seen United this season, they've had a lot of chances. They, they don't really seem to have a problem creating chances. We talked about that Patrick Thistle game when Chris Doolan was speaking. And didn't United could have scored five, five before half time? No problem at all. What a difference that would have made that mm. night. But you saw against Hibs, you know, you know the big polar bear. He's uh, pulling save off, save after save. And um, I think I think they will look back at a season United because I think they are doomed now as being you know, just a disaster from start to finish. So if I could get a prediction from you then, David Dunn, United's Hamilton, how do you see it going? I think it'll be a draw. And Inverness against Kilmarnock? I think it'll be a draw as well. A draw as well, OK. Like Sunsport and Facebook for all the Scottish football latest. <laughs> Uh, another game just moving back to, to Saturday afternoon and it's a title party at Ibrox Rangers will be hosting Alawa due in town there at half past 12 on Saturday afternoon and what a week it's been for, for the Ibrox yeah. club and for Mark Warburton, his players, the supporters and everybody really, David, who has endured four, five years of you know hell uh, at Ibrox. We've, we've talked about Ronnie Dyla and the disappointment he has, has suffered at Celtic Park. You can't give Mark Warburton, however, enough praise for the job he has done no. When you compare and contrast the way Rangers were this time last year, yeah, I mean he's come in and done exactly, and probably he's, he's actually done more than what was expected of him. You know, he he was come in with the, with the, the sole remit of getting promotion. He's done that. He's done that with a lot to spare. He's managed to see off a Hibs side that on their day are very good and and could easily join Rangers in the Premiership and could easily beat them in the Scottish Cup final. He's won the Petrofac Cup, which although is viewed as with the greatest respect a Diddy Cup, it is. You know, should have been a given for Rangers. It should have been a given, but it's the first time they've won it in four years, so obviously it hasn't been. But it's just saying it's quite a couple of weeks. It's been, you know, clinched promotion, won the Petrofac Cup, beat Celtic, and now they're going to get presented with the Championship title. And yeah, and, and I think Mark Warburton ha- deserves huge credit. I think he also has been wise enough and clever enough this week to know that let's not get carried away. You know, let's, that's been his mantra, let's not get carried away, let's continue to build, let's make sure that we realise. Nothing is, is finished yet, and, and that you know this whole thing about if Rangers can beat Celtic, therefore they can go and challenge for the title. I'm sure Rangers will be up in the higher reaches of the league next year, but as I said on Monday, they still need but more players, and they still need a few better players to go and do that. As you say, there is obviously a gap. It's perhaps not as big as some people were, were looking to make out. In your opinion, how many players just now, bearing in mind Joss Windass and Matt Crooks mm-hmm. are already on their way in this summer, how many more players do you think Rangers need to, to make a a tangible go of it next season in terms of the championship. Well, if those two are permanent, if you if you take into the fact that Don Ball's going back to Spurs and may not come back, Zellerim's going back to Arsenal, Billy King's going back to Hearts, so that's three down. There's two coming in. I would say another five and maybe like maybe a couple of loans. So so Rangers could easily add nine players this summer, and, and I think that would probably bring the level of you know squad strength and, and numbers up to what they maybe need. But as I said the other day as well, I mean. What happens to the likes of Dean Shields, Nicky Law, Nicky Clark? Do they stay? Cammy Bell, guys that haven't really been getting a game. David Templeton. So if they go, he may even bring more in. Um, I know Matt Warburton likes a small squad and a kind of tight squad, but Rangers, especially if they go into Europe and, and manage to keep going in Europe, then they're, they're going to need more players. Just finally, do you expect them Warburton to perhaps place blood some youngsters just now with the, with the title being one ahead of that Scottish Cup final? I think he'll be caught in two minds with that because there's such a big gap. You know, we're talking about Rangers have two or three games left, and then they've got a three-week three week layoff. Yeah. Layoff. Now that is, we saw with Falkirk last year. Skip Houston didn't admitted himself. I don't really know what to do with this. They go away. They keep training. So I think for the first week, he gave them a few few days off to recharge the batteries. Then they trained. Then they went away down south for a few days. Then they come back up for the for the week. So I think that's what Mark Walbrook will probably do. He'll probably give 
Rangers after the last game, a few days off, take them away and then come back and prepare at home in the final week. But does he rest players? I don't know because if you rest your players, they could be a month, they could be a month out of action, you know, they could be a month without a first team game and a competitive game. So I think probably want to keep as many of them ticking over as possible, then rest them and then try and get a friendly or two in before the cup final. Brilliant. Thank you very much, David. <laughs> 